0: chapter 30, if you look at verse number one, the Bible says, woe to the rebellious children. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Here in this passage, God is speaking to us about rebellious children. And Isaiah chapter 30 has a lot of different uh, Things that it talks about, but tonight we're just kind of going to focus on this idea of the rebellious children. If you look at verse number 9 in the same chapter, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 9, the Bible says that this is a rebellious people. Do you see that? Lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Here, God is speaking about His children, the children of Israel, and He's saying they are Children, yes, but they are rebellious. They are rebelling. They have an issue. They, they, they are, uh, have something that they want to rebel against and reject. And in this chapter, we see things that the rebellious children of the Old Testament would rebel from. And it's interesting because the same thing that the Old Testament Israel children of God uh, would rebel against God for is the exact same thing that New Testament believers, children of God, want to rebel against God for. And I want you to notice, as we look at these tonight, number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to notice they rebel against biblical counsel. They rebel against biblical counsel. Look down at verse number one again. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord. Now notice this. That take counsel... But not of me. Now who's speaking? That's the Lord, right? Saith the Lord. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a cavering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Look at verse two. That walk to go down into Egypt. Now, in the Bible, Egypt always represents the world. And notice, you will always notice that they're walking down into Egypt. They're going down into Egypt. It's called the house of bondage. It's called. It represents worldliness. It represents the, the mentality of this world. And here, the Bible tells us that the children of Israel, they walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth. Now, God is the one who's speaking through Isaiah here. It's the Lord speaking. And God says, you've Gone down to Egypt, but you've not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. And you know, today we have a whole lot of Christians who will say, Well, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm a believer, I believe in the Bible, but oftentimes when it comes to making decisions, and oftentimes when it comes to to needing counsel, and oftentimes when it when it comes to an actual, not just a generic, you know, I'm a believer, I follow Jesus, I like the Bible, but when they actually have to make a choice in life, you will find that most Christians today end up going down to Egypt for their counsel, and end up going down to the world for their counsel, and end up going to, 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 to Satan, and to the devil, and to the systems of this world for their counsel. Let me give you some examples. Go, keep it finger in Isaiah chapter 30. We're going to come back to it. But go with me to Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7 in the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Uh, we're going to look at a lot of passages tonight, so I need you to kind of stay with me. I'll try to guide you the best that I can. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. Look at Romans chapter number 7, and look at verse number 2, Romans chapter 7 and verse 2. Romans chapter number 7 and verse 2. Today, we have a whole lot of Christians that quite honestly, and let's just be honest tonight, and let's not, let's not you know uh, try to sidestep the issue. Today we have a whole lot of Christians that though they are saved and though they say they love God, and though they say they love the Word of God, when it comes right down to it, they really don't care what the Bible says. I don't know how many people I've talked to over the last four years of of pastoring. And four years are not very long. I plan to pastor, you know, for 40 years. You know, over the last four years, how many marriages have came to me and, and, and said, you know, well, I'm dealing with this or I'm dealing with that. And it seems like when it comes right down to it and you show people, well, here's what the Bible says. They want counsel, but not from God. They want counsel, but they don't want to ask at the mouth of the Lord. Notice Romans chapter 7. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 7. Talking about marriage. I often show people this, these verses in Romans chapter 7. The Bible says in verse 2, For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband. Now, notice this. I know this is not popular today. I know this is not what society believes today. This is what society used to believe when we used to have a nation that actually had morals and had decency and had character. But the Bible says that the woman which has an husband is bound by the law to her husband. Notice, so long as he live it. Do you know that the Bible teaches that marriage is still death to his part? The Bible says, but if the husband be dead... She is loose from the law of her husband. So then if, now notice, if, while her husband liveth. Now notice what the Bible says. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. The Bible teaches that an individual who gets divorced and then gets remarried, God calls that adultery. Because here's what you got to understand about the Bible. God does not acknowledge divorce. You say, well, i got a piece of paper that said that I am legally divorced. God says, what paper? God says, as far as I'm concerned, you're married till death do us part. And if you're married, and then you go and divorce and remarry someone else, then the Bible says that you are an adulterer. Now here, you say, well, why are you preaching? Because here's what you're to understand. People will come to me all the time, and they'll say, we're Christians, we love God, we love the Bible, we need counseling from the Word of God, our marriage has problems, we're thinking of getting divorced. And I'll say, hey, the Bible says that it's so death to us part, you got to stay in that marriage, and you've got to try to work it out, and you've got to try to you know, love each other and forgive each other and try to uh, work through that. And people say, well, well, well here's the thing. My counselor told me, this other pastor told me that I need to leave him. And here's the question that I have for you. Where are you getting your counsel from? Well, this worldly therapist, he told me that I needed to. But here's the question. Do you ask counsel at the mouth of God? Or are you just saying, I'm a child, but I'm rebellious? Because rebellious children take counsel, but not of me, is what God says. Rebellious children will not hear the law of the Lord. They don't want to understand what the Bible says. They go down to Egypt. They have not asked at my mouth. And by the way, that's why in Matthew 19, you don't have to turn there. Go, go with me to 1 Corinthians. You're there in Romans. to Turn a few pages over to 1 Corinthians. But in Matthew 19, Jesus said this. The Bible says, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Jesus said, when you get married, you know, and you enter that covenant with God, two twain, two individuals become one flesh. And then he said this, Wherefore, they are no more twain. See, when you got married, you're not two individuals anymore. He said, Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together. Here's what Jesus said, Let not man put asunder. Now You said, Well, well, the judge said that we were no longer, Hey, let not man put asunder. Well, the therapist said that we didn't, Let not man put asunder is what Jesus said. So here's the question that I have for you. Do you even care what the Bible says? Well, I'm a child, but you're rebellious if you say, I want counsel, but not from God. I'll go down to Egypt and let them tell me what to do. Are you there in First Corinthians chapter 7? Oftentimes, I'll have Christians come to me and say, well, pastor, I've already been divorced. I didn't know that it was a sin. I didn't know it was wrong. And you know what? Let me tell you something. If you've been divorced, it's a sin like any other sin. Confess it to God and move on. Don't do it again. You know, if somebody said to me, uh, "Pastor, I, I robbed the liquor store," I'd say, "Well, you know I mean, confess it to God. You know, cut me in on the deal, and I won't turn you in." You know, no, 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 not that. You know, confess it to God and don't do it again, right? You know, and I mean, I don't know. You have to go tell the cops, I guess. I don't know. First, just don't ask me about that, right? right? First Corinthians chapter seven, look at verse ten. First Corinthians chapter seven, and verse ten. Oftentimes, I'll have Christians come up to me. Well, I already got divorced. I didn't know I was wrong. And here's what I'll tell them. Well, here's what the Bible says. You're not supposed to go get remarried because as soon as you get remarried, you're in adultery. And I'll say, you know, if you're, you're divorced, you say your husband left or your wife left and you can't get them back and whatever. Well, you know, the Bible says, Look, are you there in 1 Corinthians chapter 7? Look at verse 10. I'm just trying to give you some examples here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 and verse number 10. The Bible says, and unto the married I command. Now notice what Paul said. And unto the married I command. Yet not I, but the Lord. Notice what he commanded. Let not the wife depart from her husband. He said, don't leave. Don't get a, I don't care what your counselor said. I don't care what your therapist said. I don't care what your liberal pastor said. I don't care. He says, hey, let not the wife depart from her husband. Look at verse 11. But and if she depart, because of course sometimes they depart, but if she depart, notice here are your options, let her remain unmarried. Or... Be reconciled to her husband. People say, well, I say, well, well you know, you're, you're single, I guess. You know, just don't remain unmarried. Just serve God. Just serve God with your life and don't worry about it. And people say to me, well, I just can't live alone. Okay? Well, then be reconciled to her husband is what the Bible says. And let not the husband put away his wife. You say, well, I, don't, I just don't think that. I'm just, all I'm telling you is this. Look, it doesn't really matter to me what you do with your life. I mean, I care for you, I love you, I pray for you. At the end of the day, it's your life. You'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ for the things that were done in your body, all right? I'm just saying, I don't understand why so-called Christians who say that they love the Bible, they love the Word of God, they want to know what the Bible says, and then you say, well, here's what the Bible says. And they say, well, that's not what Egypt said. That's not what the council told me. That's not what the therapist told me. They said, my, that's not what my friend said. They said, I could do. I, I, I should do better than that. They, they said that, I, you know, I don't deserve to be alone. That's what my friends say. And here's the only question I have for you. Where are you getting counsel from? Because rebellious children ask for counsel, but not of God. They say, well, we, we love God, but God, I don't really care what you have to say about it. Go to 1 Timothy, chapter number 2. 1 Timothy, chapter number 2. You're there in 1 Corinthians. Uh, go past 1 and 2 Corinthians. Past Galatians. Past Ephesians. Past Philippians. Past Colossians. Past 1st and 2nd Thessalonians into Timothy. First, past 1st and 2nd Thessalonians into 1st Timothy. I'm just trying to give you some examples, because today we have Christians who, who say, and it's easy to say on the outside, it's easy to say, I love God. It's easy to say, I, I love the Word of God. It's easy to say, you know, show me what the Bible says and I'll do it. But then when you show them what the Bible says about specific things, then they say, well, I don't know about that. I, I wanted counsel. But you think, you didn't want counsel at the mouth of God. Are you there in 1st Timothy chapter 2? These rebellious children are children that want counsel, but not from God. They want to go down to Egypt to get the counsel. And we, today we see that with people wanting to get divorced. You say, well, the Bible says you ought to work it out. The Bible says you ought to stay together. The Bible says you made a covenant. The Bible says you ought not break a covenant you made to God. And they'll say, well, I don't know about that. Then they end up getting divorced. They want to go on, you know, uh, get all these dates and get remarried and do those things. And I tell them, well, the Bible says you should remain unmarried. They say, well, I don't know if I can do that. You know, this, is, this rebellious child is like the Christian lady who dresses worldly because her friends or her family or her co-workers would think it'd be weird to do otherwise. Even when the Bible says, let me show you some examples, 1st Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 9, 1st Timothy chapter 2 verse 9, I want you to notice what the Bible says, 1st Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, the Bible says this, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in, I want you to notice this word, modest apparel, do you know what the word apparel means? It means clothing. Did you know that the Bible teaches us how we ought to dress? Let me just break it down for you. The Bible teaches about every area in life. Everything that God wants, how you think, what you speak, how you dress, where you go, everything you do, everything you think, everything you are, the Bible comment on it. And here the Bible tells us that in like manner also, women ought to adorn themselves in modest apparel. That word modest means not bringing attention to yourself. You know, ladies, you ought to dress in a way, and we're not talking about being the bad woman, okay? We're not talking about, you know, looking like, you know, like you're homeless or something. You ought to dress nice, and you ought to look nice. But you know what? You ought not dress in a way where you are dressing to attract attention. That's the opposite of modest. The word modest means to not bring attention to yourself. The Bible says that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness. That word means bashful. It means you're not trying to attract attention. You don't want people to notice you when you walk in the room. He says with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Now, listen to me. He's not saying it's wrong to have, you know, to do up your hair or or to put jewelry on, but here's what he's saying. If all you are is about the way you look, look at my makeup, look at my hair, look at my jewelry, look at the way I dress. God says, hey, you are not modest. You are bringing attention to yourself. And the Bible says it's wrong. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. You're there in 1 Timothy. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. First and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 3, look at verse number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning. Talking to the women here. And it's specifically because dress issues are uh, something that women deal with. I mean, just look at the guys. <laughs> Good night. They don't, they don't care. You know, but he's speaking to the women here. But you know, it, it applies to men too. Who's adorning? Notice what he says. Let it not be that outward adorning. Of plating the hair and of wearing of gold and of putting on of apparel. Again, there's nothing wrong with doing your hair nice. There's nothing wrong with having on nice jewelry ladies. It's okay. But listen to me. If all you are about, if all you ever talk about is how I look and how you look and how this and how that. The Bible says that we ought to dress modestly to not bring attention. You ought to say, well, I'm going to put this on. I want all the guys to look at me. You are a Jezebel and you ought to get right with God whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold and putting on of apparel, but let it be, notice verse 4, the hidden man of the heart. Isn't that what we were talking about this morning? And that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, uh, of God, a great price. Go to Deuteronomy, just real quickly. Uh, Keep your finger there in 1 Peter or around 1 Timothy, because we're going to come back to it. But go to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Genesis Exodus Leviticus numbers Deuteronomy. Pastor, what does the Bible say about the way we should wear dress? Well, it says you ought to dress modest. It says you're not you, when you come to church, you're not going to a club, okay? You you ought to dress in a way you're not trying to bring a touch yourself. Well, I don't know about all that. Well, if I did that, if I dress like that, you know, my friends would think it's odd. My, my, my you know, family would think I'm in occult. My My friends would think I'm, I'm weird. Now listen to me. Here's the only question I have for you. It doesn't really matter to me how you dress. I really could care less. But here's the question I have for you. Where do you get your counsel from? Because it's easy to say, I love the Word of God. So you actually look at the Word of God and then you say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know that I want that counsel. And all it means is you may be a child, but you're rebellious. Because rebellious children rebel against biblical counsel. Are you there in Deuteronomy 22? Let me show you a verse. And some of you, you may have never even seen this verse, and that's okay. Deuteronomy 22, look at verse 5. Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 22 and verse number 5. Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5. Let me show you what the Bible says. The Bible says this. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. You know what the Bible commands that there, are, there is clothing that a woman should not wear? Now notice what it says. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. The Bible says that there is a, uh, an article of clothing that belongs to a man that a woman should not wear. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. The Bible says that a man should not put on the garment that belongs to a woman. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord. Now listen to me. This is, people sometimes get all caught up on these things. and It's not that controversial. Just, just think about it. Is it really controversial to believe that God is against cross-dressing I mean, God is not for men putting on women's clothing. And God is not for women putting on men's clothing. The question is this, what is men's clothing? And what is women's clothing? And here's what you understand, at Verity Baptist Church, the Bible is our authority. We allow the Bible to tell us, what we ought to believe in every area of uh, faith and practice. So let me give you some examples. Go to Exodus. You're there in Deuteronomy? Just flip a few pages over to Exodus chapter number 28. Exodus chapter 28. Because God just told us that there is a piece of clothing that pertains unto a man, and a woman should not wear it. And God told us that there is a piece of clothing that pertains unto a woman, and a man should not wear it. So the question is this. What is the, piece of, what is the clothing that God would have a man to wear? Well, let me show you. Exodus 28. Look at verse number 42. Exodus 28. And verse number 42. Here, we're going to mainly look at passages that deal with the priest because God is specifically telling us how He wanted the priest to dress, and these are males. Exodus 28, and look at verse 42. The Bible says this, And thou shalt make them linen breeches. You see that word, breeches? If you have a King James Bible in front of you, the word is B-R-E-E-C-H-E-S. And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins, even unto the thighs they shall reach. Okay? That word, breeches, is a... Uh, you know, older spelling of the word that you and I would use today is britches. B-R-I-T-C-H-E-S. The word britches is referring to a pair of pants. So here God is telling the old Testament priest. Now listen, we're in the book of Exodus, okay? We're only in the second book of the Bible. And here God is telling the Old Testament priests, I want you to put on linen breeches. I want you to put on a pair of breeches. I want you to put on a pair of pants. Go to Exodus 39. Look at verse number 28. Exodus 39, verse number 28. Exodus 39 and verse number 28, the Bible says this. Exodus 39 and verse 28, the Bible says, And a mitra of fine linen, and goodly bonnets of fine linen, and linen, I just want you to notice this, linen breeches of fine twine linen. Do you see that? Here God again tells the priest, I want you to put on a pair of breeches or britches. Leviticus chapter 6, look at verse 10. Leviticus chapter 6 and verse number 10. Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 10, the Bible says this, and the priest shall not put on his linen garment and his linen breeches. Do you see that? The priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen breeches, those are breeches, shall he put on upon his flesh and take off uh, the ashes which the fire had consumed with the burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Notice again, God wants his men to put on a pair of breeches or britches. That's a pair of pants. Uh, go to Leviticus chapter 16. Look at verse 4. Leviticus chapter number 16 and verse number 4. I'm just trying to show you the Bible so you can understand uh, what we're looking at. Leviticus chapter 16 and look at verse number 4. Leviticus chapter 16 and verse number 4. The Bible says this. Leviticus, you're there, in, you know, right after Exodus, you got Leviticus 16. Look at verse 4. He shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen, notice, breeches upon his flesh and, sh- and shall be good. Girded with a linen girdle, that's a belt, and with a linen mitra, that's a hat, shall he be attired, and these are the uh, holy garments, therefore shall he wash his flesh and water and so put them on. I'm not gonna have you turn to other passages, but if you just want to write this down for your own personal study, because you ought to just study this out on your own. But Ezekiel 44:18, the Bible says that they were to put on breeches. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse 21, the Bible tells us that there was young men who had on hosen. That's a Germanic type word, referring to pants. And here's the point, here's the point that I'm trying to make. Today we are told, you know, in the Bible, everyone wore a dress. The man, you know, who's gone to, who's ever gone to like Sunday school when they were a kid and saw the picture and Jesus was wearing a dress? You know, and all the, the apostles were all wearing these dresses. Okay, let me tell you something. In the Old Testament, the Bible is extremely clear that God told the men, put on a pair of pants. And in the, in the Bible, these guys weren't running around with a dress. They, they would wear long coats, but underneath those, those coats, they would have on a pair of pants. They would have on a pair of... Breeches, a pair of breeches. These are not modern inventions. These are things that God had his people uh, wear all the time. And in fact, throughout the Bible, God would tell men to gird up their loins, meaning they were supposed to take those long flowing coats and they were supposed to take those and and, uh, stick them into their belt so that they could run or they could fight or they could work. Now, listen to me. If I was wearing a dress and had nothing underneath and then picked it up and tucked it into my belt, would not I be exposing myself? But if I'm wearing a pair of pants underneath, well, I I saw this picture, and Jesus had long hair, and he had a dress on. Listen to me. That's how Satan wants you to think about Jesus. As an effeminate. But here the Bible tells us that men wore pants. Pants. So here's the question I have for you. If God said there's a pair of clothing that belongs to men and I don't want women to wear it, and then he tells us over and over and over, put britches on men, put britches on men, put britches on men, what do you think the clothing is that God wants men to wear? It's a pair of pants. And then God says there's a pair of clothing that he does not want women uh, that is for women that men are not to put on. Now, listen to me. Just, 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 you say, I I don't like this. You're crazy. You're in a cult. You're whatever. Just, just listen to me for one second. Okay. I'm going to try to give this to you because you're not coming back anyway. So let me just give it to you. All right. Here's the thing. If I were to say today, you know, uh, one day it's going to be acceptable for men to run around in dresses, you'd be like, you're crazy. But let me tell you something. Do you know that there was a time in our country when women would get arrested for putting on a pair of pants? Now listen to me. If you're a lady and you're wearing a pair of pants here, I'm not mad at you. Please understand that. You've probably never even heard this before. And and let me go ahead and say this to my ultra-spiritual crowd. You ought to never look down at someone, at a visitor especially, or at a first-time guest or a new Christian, because they're not dressed the way you think. Look, why don't you just worry about reading the Bible and get right with God in the sin in your life before you start looking down at people, okay? But we all need the opportunity to grow. And some of you say, well, I've never even seen this before. I never knew that the Bible said that. But did you know that there was a time in our society when it would have been just a horror for a woman to put on a pair of pants? But see, eventually just it became normal, 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 normal. And I'm here to tell you, I believe that there's coming a day. There's coming a day when it's going to be fully acceptable for men to put on dresses and walk down the street. Just the road and a skirt. And it's going to be totally normal. And there's going to be some, you know, I'm talking, I mean, you know, my sons are going to get up 50 years from now. They're going to be preaching on a Sunday night. And they're going to be saying, you, wait, you guys putting on those skirts, you need to get right with God. And people are going to be sitting in the audience saying, man, that guy's crazy. He's in a cult. <laughs> Just like you're doing right now. Women ought not wear pants. That guy's insane. Can you believe that he would say that? Fifty years from now, my kids are going to be preaching, "Man, take those skirts off, take those earrings off your ear, dress like a man, put a belt on, go work. And people are going to say, you're crazy. Because here's the problem. We want counsel, but not at the mouth of God. And at the end of the day, we don't really care what the Bible says. And when you show people clear verses of the scripture, they're just like, well, whatever. And here's the point I'm trying to, and here's the question I have for you. Where do you get your counsel from? These are Christian ladies who say, well, I know, I've, I see what the Bible says, but if I did that, if I only wore skirts, my family would think I'm in a cold. And here's the question I have for you. Where do you get your counsel from? See, this is a Christian that gives in to peer pressure and drinks alcohol or does drugs, even though the Bible says you ought to be sober, even though the Bible says you ought not even look at alcohol, even though the Bible says it's wrong to put yourself in a position to be taken advantage of like that. And they do it anyway because they don't care what the Bible says. Here's all I'm trying to tell you. Rebellious children ask counsel, but not at the mouth of God. This is the young woman. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy, do you keep your, I, I thought I told you to keep your finger in 1 Timothy or something. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let me give you another example. 1 Timothy chapter 5. The clothing one didn't go over that well, so let me try to give you another one. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Look at verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Verse 14. You say, are, are you mad at people? Look, there, there's not a lady in this church that's ever felt me or my wife or anybody ever look down on you or disrespect you or, or think anything less of you for the way you're dressed. I, to be honest with you, I could really care less. I don't even notice how you dress. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just trying to tell you, here's what the Bible says. Well, you take that counsel. Here's what the Word of God says. You say, well, I'm just going to do what I want anyway. And all the point I'm trying to make is this. Do you even really care what the Bible says? Or are you asking counsel, but not at the mouth of God? 1 Timothy chapter 5, look at verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 5, let me give you another one. 1 Timothy chapter 5, looking for 14. I will therefore that the younger women, this is God's will. You see that word will there? He's talking about this is God's will for the life of a young lady. I will therefore that the younger women become the first president of the United States. Is that what it says? Mm -hmm. I will therefore that the younger women become the governor of the state of California. Is that what it says? Become the first speaker of the house. Become the, the, you know, Supreme Court justice. Just notice what the Bible says. I will therefore that the younger women, here's God's will for a young lady's life, marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. See, this is the young lady who puts her kid in a daycare because she's brainwashed into thinking that the only, you know, value to her life is to hold some position in a career somewhere. And the question I have for you, I'm not mad at you, the only question I have for you is, do you even really care what the Bible says? Because, see, our society has brainwashed young ladies to think, you know, you, can, you can be like a man. You can go and get a career. You can be, listen, listen, ladies, I don't know. If, let me just ask you this. Why would you want to be like a man? You know what God gave you this opportunity to raise a children that is an everlasting soul? When I, before I worked for the church, I used to fix air conditioners and, and heaters. And, and, and let me just say, you know, other than just being able to support my family, you know, it didn't really matter for eternity's sake if I fixed an air conditioner, or if I fixed a heater, or if I changed a filter. It didn't really change the scope of, of society, you know what I mean? But when my wife is home with those kids every day, loving them, instructing them, reading the Bible to them, memorizing scripture with them, raising them, and, and homeschooling them, you know that she is influencing a soul that will, pass, that will last for eternity? And women have been brainwashed saying, no, 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 no. Put those kids in daycare and go do something that matters in your life. Go become an accountant. Go become a lawyer. And I'm, look, I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying, does it matter what the Bible says? Do you even care? Well, I know that's what the Bible says, but I, you just got to understand that. My family said that if I, well, I, it doesn't matter to me. All I'm asking is this. Do you even care what the Bible says? Because rebellious children... Rebel against biblical counsel. You see, it's easy to say, I like, I, I like the Bible. Okay, well, here's what the Bible says. And here's the problem with most Christians. They never read the Bible. See, if you start reading the Bible, you start realizing, Ooh, this is different. Joel Osteen didn't tell me this. Joel Osteen just said, I thought the Bible was just about love, and I can do whatever I want. As long as I send in my money, I'll, I'll go to heaven do you even care what the Bible says. Go back to Isaiah chapter 30, look at verse 9. Point number one, they rebel against biblical counsel. They rebel against biblical counsel. Number two, not only do they rebel against biblical counsel, but they rebel against biblical preaching. Say, well, I don't like what you've been preaching. Okay, well, this is you. They rebel against biblical preaching. Isaiah chapter 30, look at verse 9. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 9. Notice what the Bible says. Isaiah, you didn't, you didn't know you're in the Bible, did you? Isaiah chapter 30, look at verse 9. That this is a rebellious people. Look, lying children, children, notice, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to put those kids in daycare, and I'm going to go be the CEO of, you know, eBay. Okay, well, look, here's your problem. You will not hear the law of the Lord. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to dress how I want. I'm going to go where I want. Okay, well, here's the thing. It doesn't matter to me. I don't really, it doesn't really, I, honestly, I don't really care. But you will not hear the law of the Lord. And you, that makes you a rebellious child of God. Look at verse 10. Which say, here's what they say. Say to the seers. Now, a seer was a word for prophet, and you'll see prophet here in a minute. But here's what they say. The rebellious children, the rebellious church member, the rebellious Christian. Which say to the seer. Here's what they say. The seer is the preacher, all right? Here's the guy that's preaching. Which say to the seers, see not. I mean, the guy's a seer. Here's what he does. He sees, and you tell him to do the one thing that he's supposed to do, see not. Which say to the seers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not. Now notice, prophesy not unto us right things. Here's the question I have. You don't want the prophet to prophesy right things, so what do you want him to prophesy? Wrong things? Which say to the seers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Notice what they say. Speak unto us smooth things. You know what the word smooth means? Not rough. They said, don't be rough. Be smooth. Be soft. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy. Notice, notice this. Prophesy deceits. You know, there are people today who say, I want to go to church. I don't want to hear what the Bible says. I don't care what it says. I want to be lied to. I just want you to make me feel good. I'll put money in the offering plate. Just you know, just make me feel like you've soothed my conscience. That's what I want. It's true. Go to 2 go to Timothy chapter 4. I don't know if you kept your place in 1 Timothy or First 2 Timothy. You should because we're going to go back and forth there a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Look what the Bible says. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible says this, For the time will come. And I'm here to tell you, the time is here. For the time will come, notice, when they will not endure sound doctrine. That word endure means put up with. They will not put up with sound doctrine. They will not endure sound doctrine teaching, sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. The average Christian in America today, the average churchgoer in America today is like a dog that wants to have their ears scratched. And you want to, and listen to me, people, sometimes people think, so, it, 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 it's, it's not that we're dumb, okay? We, we look like this, but it's not, it's not that we're dumb. We get, I get it. You know, if, 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 if I brought a rock band in, turned the lights off, Set up some mystifiers, you know. Got up and preached for five minutes. God loves you. You look like a freak of nature with that dress on, but God cares about you, man. Just put that earring in your ear and don't worry about it. You know, if I, if I preached like that, if I just came up to you every Sunday and say, Here, let me, let me scratch your ear. You'd be like, ah. <laughs> "Let's let Let's take another offering. You'd like it. Because we like to be well, felt good. We like smooth preaching. Notice what it says. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall reap, heap to themselves itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears, notice, from the truth. Prophesy unto us deceits. Lie to me. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Notice, go back to Isaiah chapter 3, look at verse 11. Not only, not only do they not like biblical preaching, not only do they want to be lied to, they want smooth things. They want a smooth sermon. They don't want it rough. Don't, 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 don't be so rough. Just uh, here, You know what I found about hard preaching? People like to run around and say, ah, I love hard preaching. I love hard preaching. I love hard preaching. Pastor, you don't preach hard enough. I was listening to a guy on the internet and he's so much smarter than you. You know what I found about hard preaching? Everybody likes hard preaching as long as it's not directed at them. As long as I come down your alley, all of a sudden it's like, well, why did you say that? <laughs> I like it when you get on those visitors wearing those pants. (laughs) Everyone likes hard preaching until it comes down to you. Because we don't like hard preaching. We don't like rough. We want it smooth. Look at Isaiah chapter 30. Look at verse 11. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 11. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Now, this this is what the people are saying to the preacher. Here's what the people are saying to the prophet. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. He said, they're telling the preacher, get out of the way. Get out of the path. Now, now here's what should be happening. Go, Go to verse 20. Isaiah chapter 30. Look at verse 20. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. So here's what a good teacher does, okay? Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear the word behind thee saying, Here's what you should hear a preacher say. This is the way, walk ye in it. Did you catch that? God says the preachers should say, Hey, right here, this is the way, walk ye in it. But you know what they're saying? remove out of the way get out of the way but remove out of the path turn aside see they got it backwards you're supposed to come to church and have the preacher tell you what the bible says they want to tell the preacher what to say today there's a big movement rick warren with his purpose-driven church has a big movement called seeker sensitive And seeker sensitive churches will go out into a community and they'll say, we're going to start a new church in the Thomas. And those go out and take surveys and they'll say, what kind of music do you like? Rap? Okay. Country western? Okay. Uh, Rock and roll? Okay. And here's what they do. They'll find out what people like in the community. Then they'll put that in the church so that they'll, they're, so that they'll appeal to the crowd. You know, so everybody likes country. Let's have country music. Everybody likes rap. Let's have rap music. It's called a seeker sensitive church. So what do you want? And here's what they're doing. They're telling the preacher, Get out of the way. Don't stand in the path. But here's what the Bible says should be happening. The man of God should stand up and say, no, this is the way. Walk ye in it. This is the right path. This is what the Bible says. You get on the path of God. That's what it should be happening. That's not what's happening at the average church. Look at verse 22. And he shall defile also the covering of thy graven images of silver and of ornaments of thy molten images of gold. Thou shalt cast them away. Notice, thou shalt cast them away. And, and I don't want to get into too much detail, but I just want you to notice this in the Bible. It's an interesting verse. You got to memorize this one. Thou shalt cast them away as a menstruous cloth. You say, why would he say... Uh, here, uh, here's the, 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 the point I'm trying to make. Sometimes right preaching is not very smooth. In fact, sometimes it's a little rough. And Isaiah was so upset at their idolatry and their sin, they said, you know what, you ought to get rid of that sin like it's a menstruous cloth. Thou shalt say unto, the, unto it, get thee hence. And by the way, that's what good preaching does for you, is it gets you to get right with God. It gets you to say, you know what, get thee hence. And let me just, let me just clue you in into a little hint. And, and I'm, not, I'm not mad at you, I love all of you, I pray for you. But listen to me, I'm not here to be your friend. Now, I want to be your friend, but it doesn't really matter to me if I'm your friend. What matters to me is if you get the word of God. What matters to me is that you hear the Bible preached. Because at the end of the day, I want you to see sin as being exceeding sinful and to see it as a menstruous cloth and you just say, get the hands. Get away from me. That's wrong. They don't want to believe the word of God. Look at, look at uh, verse 8, Isaiah chapter 30, verse, verse 8. Notice what it says. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 8. Now we now go, write it before them in a table. Now this is God speaking to Isaiah about these words. He said, I want you to go and write it before them in a table. And note it in a book, that it may be for a time to come. Notice what he says. Forever and ever. Do you see that? Do you know that the Bible is good? There's no expiration date on the Bible. God says it's good. He's a note in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. And here's the point that I'm trying to make. If it was good for Isaiah, it's good for you. If it was good for Isaiah, it's good for me. If it was good for Isaiah, it's good for all of us. And, and people say, well, well, times are outdated. Go, go back to First Timothy. Let me just show you a couple passages. We'll, we'll, we'll be done soon. First Timothy. I had somebody call me this week. This guy calls me says, I just want to ask you a question. I was listening to some of your preaching and just kind of looking up some stuff from your church. And, and here's what he said Do you really think it's wrong for like women to preach and for and for women to say amen in the church? Do you think that's wrong? And I said, Yeah, that's what the Bible says. And they said, Oh, that, that's so outdated. And here's what you gotta say the Bible's not outdated. The Bible, it, it doesn't expire. Are you there in 1 Timothy? Let me just show you the verse. Let me show you the verse. You say, well, I don't, I don't agree with you. Okay, well, where do you get your counsel from? 1 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says this, 1 Timothy 2, 11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. The Bible says that women are to learn in silence with all subjection. We're talking about the church service here. But I suffer not a woman to teach. Listen, Joyce Myers needs to read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. You say, well, you're a male chauvinist. Look, I'm not a male. All I'm telling you is the Bible says that women are to learn in silence. The Bible says that they are not to preach, that they are not. He says, I suffer not. He says, I would not allow a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. We're referring to the church. Go to First Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians, if you go back, First Timothy, uh, you know, First and Second Thessalonians, Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians, uh, Galatians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. 1st Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 34. 1st Corinthians 14, 34. Look what the Bible says. I just want you to see it. I just want you to see it. 1st Corinthians 14, verse 34. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak... But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. The Bible teaches that men are supposed to be the ones that get up and preach. You say, well, do you think women are, are, are less? Look, nobody said women are less. We didn't say that they're, they're, they're inferior. We are all created you, by God, okay? But here's the thing. God has made rules, and he decided, and I don't know why, but he decided that a man is supposed to lead the house of God he says that women are to learn in silence with all subjection. That they are to keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. And people say, well, I can't believe that you would preach that. Why? The word of God does not expire. It's good forever. And if it was good for Paul, and if it was good for Isaiah, and if it was good for Jesus, then it's good for us today. We're not to think, you know, well, we got to modernize this thing. We don't have to modernize anything. Society is insane. Our world is insane. We need to go back and ask for the old paths. We need to go back. You say you guys are. Every time somebody comes to this church and tells me, "I like your church," but you guys are a little, you know, old fashioned. Hey, that's that's a good thing. And I'm not talking about old fashioned like the '60s or the '40s. I'm talking about old fashioned like Jesus is old fashioned. Old fashioned like eternity, because the Word of God does not change. It's good forever. And if God says it, and here's what you understand, and some of you, you just need to grasp this about Verity Baptist Church, because we are Biblicists, we believe the Bible, and it, people say this, well, the Bible says it, so I believe it. Here's the thing, if the Bible says it, it doesn't matter if you believe it. It's true, because it's the Word of God. You say, well, have you, I just don't think that, and I just don't feel like, and I heard this one preacher say, and they said that, the Greek actually, here's the thing, where do you get your counsel from? Because what does the Bible say? Go back to Isaiah chapter 30, look verse 3. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 3. Let me give you just a couple things that rebellious children should do. We'll do it, we'll do it quickly. Rebellious children should realize. Rebellious children should realize that the word the world cannot help you. Notice Isaiah chapter 30, look verse 3. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. For his princes were at Zoan, his ambassadors came to Hanes. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be in help, nor profit, but but a shame and also a reproach. The burden of the beasts of the south into the land of trouble and anguish. From whence come the young and old lion, the viper and fiery flying serpent. Notice what it says. They will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and the treasures upon the bunches of camels. He's talking about the fact that they're going to send their riches down to Egypt. So I think you got help from Egypt. They're going to send their riches down there to a people that shall not profit them. For the Egyptians shall help in vain. And to no purpose, therefore, have I cried concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. Rebellious Christians ought to just realize the world cannot help you. The world will let you down. Rebellious children ought to realize, look at verse 18. And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. The Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee. At the voice of thy cry, when he shall hear it, he will answer thee. Do you know that if you cry out to God, God will hear and God will answer? You know that God will forgive you. Sometimes we preach like this and people say, well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I do like everything, everything you said I'm doing. Hey, Just get right with God. This confess- the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not, it's not about, oh, oh I, am I good or am I bad? Look, it's about your relationship and your walk with God. Look at verse 15. For thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Here's a sad commentary on most Christians. In returning and rest shall ye be saved. God says, look, if you come back to me, you come back to me, I'll give you Rest. In quietness and in confidence show your strength. But notice what he says. And ye would not. Here's what he's saying. Isaiah showed you what the Bible says. Isaiah exposed you to the truth. Isaiah said, hey, don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up. Just ask God to forgive you. Just forsake that and just return to him. Just just come back to God. He'll give you rest. He'll forgive you. He'll heal you. But ye would not not look at verse 16 but ye said no for we will flee upon horses therefore shall ye flee and we will ride upon the swift therefore shall they that pursue you be swift so here's the question that i have for you and, and honestly it doesn't matter to me what you do what you don't do i'm gonna love you either way look i'm a sinner saved by grace just like you are Amen. but the question that i have for you is this are you a rebellious child so well, what makes you rebellious When you're given biblical counsel and you say, well, that's not what I'm going to do. When the Bible is preached and you say, well, I don't want that. I I want smooth. I want not rough. I want something that makes me feel good. Because the whole point of the Christian life is to be conformed to the image of God, to the image of his son, to be like Christ every day. And the only way to be more like Christ is to be less like us. And that requires change. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.